Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. Now here's your host, Richard Carthon. Are you looking for more ways to engage with cryptocurrent during your day and week? One of the best ways is to follow us on our social channels. You can check us out on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and TikTok. We even have a private Telegram channel for all of those who check into our weekly Clubhouse sessions. So if you aren't following us yet or had a chance to see our latest content, please give us a follow today. You can find the links to our socials in our show notes and on our website. And now for today's episode. Hey everyone, your host here, Richard Parthon, coming at you with another episode of Cryptocurrent. And I have a very special guest with you that I got to meet during consensus. Now, what was really cool is that we organically started having conversation. And I was like, wait, that sounds really similar to a project that we've had on our show previously called Shapeshift. And it's like, actually, it's funny because I'm actually the head of decentralization over at Shapeshift. So I am talking about DAOs. I'm talking about decentralized autonomous organizations. For those who listened to the original episode with Eric Voorhees back on episode 195, and even a follow-up episode we recently had with John in episode 266 that Steve was able to talk to, of course, live and in person, meet this amazing person that we have with us today. I'm excited to bring him on because I wanted to really unpack DAOs. For anyone who is new to the world of DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, we are going to unpack this and we're going to hear about all the amazing things that he's working on. So today we have Willie, who is the head of decentralization at Shapeshift DAO and also is part of the Fox Foundation. How are you doing today? What's up, Richard? Best day ever. How are you doing? <laughs> hey, man, it just gets better. I mean, I'm excited to learn today. I'm excited to hear what you got going on. And yeah, we got plenty to unpack. But before we dive into all that, let's learn a little bit more about you. Can you give us just a little bit of background on yourself? Sure. Be happy to. So I started my career in 2013 as a college student, started a class project as a legal tech SaaS enabled marketplace, connecting clients with lawyers. Didn't know anything about Web2 really or about starting a company but ended up going down that path. We dropped out of school, ran that company for about five years, learned a ton, ended up selling it at the end of 2017. And throughout 2017, at the beginning of 2017, I had really gotten into crypto finally. I'd heard a lot about it. Like There was a Bitcoin ATM in our co-working space where we were building a legal tech startup. But of course, I didn't have any extra money to spend on it. I was all in on the startup. But I would walk past the Bitcoin ATM every day and heard a lot of smart people talk about it, but never even really had money to invest or time to invest. So in 2017, I sold my house in Colorado, moved to Austin for the startup, and finally had some money to invest, bought Ethereum. It was the first crypto I bought. I kind of like felt like, oh, maybe like I was a little bit late to Bitcoin, but Ethereum is this cool new thing. And I love the idea of this like decentralized app store and stuff and all these different use cases. Sounds amazing. So fortunately, kind of got in at the beginning of the 2017 bull cycle. And then you know I thought I was a genius. Everything was going up. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Very quickly, it started to become obsessed with crypto. So 2017, we were going through that acquisition process, which took like over six months, no longer had like an endless list of things to do. Basically, it was like, all right, we're just going to keep the business running and really focus on this acquisition. And so that gave me some more time to learn about crypto, start going to the meetups. I got to give a huge shout out to one of the multi-coin capital 
engineers, Ryan. They had just hired him. He was like their first engineer. He was 18 years old. They got him to drop out of school to come build tools for their hedge fund. And he taught me so much about crypto. I really had a great teacher that explained it to me. Yeah. So throughout 2017, getting obsessed with crypto, I was like all about all these different altcoins. So like I loved Shapeshift as a product and would use it just to like find out about new tokens. And I loved all these visions. So I'm like, every token I hear about, I'm like, oh, that sounds so cool. I got to get some of that token and stuff. And then sure enough, by the end of the year, I had realized that I actually would have done better if I had just like held onto my initial portfolio and hadn't traded, I would have done better. And so that was like a big learning lesson. We started Bitfract at the end of 2017. So the same month that we sold the legal tech startup, some other friends and I started Bitfract, which was the first tool where you could trade crypto for multiple digital assets at once. And it was built on top of Shapeshift. And so that ended up being a successful project. People really liked it because it was free. We didn't charge any extra fees on top of Shapeshift. It was beautiful. And you know, if you guys remember in 2017, let's say you wanted to go buy 10 cryptos, it could take you all day, right? You'd have to go to all these different exchanges or even if you're doing it with Shapeshift, you had to do 10 transactions. Bitfract made it so that you could just design the portfolio you wanted. Like, oh, I want 15% Ethereum, 10% Doge, 12% Litecoin, send the Bitcoin in. And then we would do the trades with Shapeshift and Shapeshift would send you all the different cryptos. So June 2018, Shapeshift acquired Bitfract, brought the team in to start building the new version of Shapeshift. So this is right around the time that Shapeshift came to the conclusion that we had to implement KYC. And so we started building basically an interface for KeepKey and other hardware wallets where you could kind of manage your whole portfolio and do trades. So it's still leveraged Shapeshift trading. And that was a really exciting journey. But unfortunately, like when we implemented KYC, we ended up losing like 99% of our business. So it was a tough few years after that as we like continued to Shapeshift and try to find new product market fit in our new form. And I was really excited when the DEXs proliferated. So like 2020, we saw Uniswap getting a ton of traction. We're like, oh my gosh, Uniswap is like doing what Shapeshift's original vision was, but even better. So we embraced these decentralized exchange protocols, integrated ZeroX to aggregate a bunch of DEXs on Ethereum, integrated ThorChain in April, the day that they launched their mainnet. And then we shut down our trading desk. We stopped KYCing users. And in July, we announced that we were going full DAO. And to me, that was like the best news ever because I was already a big fan of DAOs. I had the pleasure of working with Giveth to kind of develop a DAO from the ground up. And I'd seen firsthand just the power of these communities. And when you have a great meme that people can align around, just the ability to bring in people all around the world who are aligned with that mission. And you can ship beautiful products without raising funds and without having a centralized organization. And so I saw that firsthand, the magic of these DAOs. Didn't even really know it was possible for Shapeshift to do this. I was always like, man, how can we make Fox a governance token? And even if we're centralized, like how can we still give our token holders power over Shapeshift? And I didn't really know it was possible. And props to Eric and John for basically figuring out a path to do this, getting the board and the shareholders on board with taking this path. When they told me the news that we were going to decentralize, I jumped out of my chair with excitement. It was the best news I'd ever heard. Right. And I can imagine, and we actually talked about this and unpacked it while at Consensus, that there's probably a rift between people who were really excited, like yourself and others who were not so excited and were you know, not as pumped with the uncertainty. But before we dive into that, I want to just backtrack for a quick second because you unpacked a lot and I don't want to overshadow some of the gems you just gave us. One, you know, you caused dropout that just went through two successful acquisitions, which that's huge just in your young career already, which is really, really cool. But being able to build things that were helping ultimately bring you into this crypto space and then also just learning key lessons around instead of trying to be an active trader versus an investor where if you buy and hold a little bit longer, you know, you might see a little bit more success or, you know, and being able to learn that at a crucial moment from 17, 18, as we saw the bear market happen, the last long bear, really good lesson to learn there. But fast forward to you build your new product, turns out that people don't want to KYC and people kind of dip out and you then learn about DEXs. So then as you learn about being able to decentralize a lot more, y'all look at 
DAOs. And your company was actually the first company to go on a DAO model. Eric dropped that news back when he came on the show. And it's been a year since that's happened. And I want to unpack what are the lessons and what are you seeing from that a little bit later. But first, let's set some foundation. Can you explain what a DAO is? And can you kind of just give examples like to a toddler of like, how does this work and why is it valuable? Yeah, great question. So you guys probably know what DAO stands for, Decentralized Autonomous Organization. But what does that mean? So DAOs, they can take a lot of different shapes and forms. My favorite definition for like just what a DAO is at its core is just a group of people who are managing a treasury of assets, right? And that's basically what a DAO is. And so for Shapeshift, the group of people for us is Fox token holders. And the treasury of assets is an on-chain Gnosis safe. And token holders can create proposals. Basically, the only way to get funds out of that Gnosis safe is for token holders to create proposals and approve these proposals. You've got a governance process that explains all the different steps. Anybody who has 100 Fox can create one of these proposals. And if the token holders approve it, they can actually execute transactions on the Gnosis safe without any multi-sig. We do have a multi-sig there as like a safeguard. And the multi-sig can also execute transactions. It's committed to not executing transactions that the community hasn't explicitly approved. And eventually, you know, the community can decide to get rid of that multi-sig and have the only way to basically execute transactions on this Nessus safe be by creating and approving proposals. That's the kind of the core of a DAO. They can take a lot of shapes and forms, right? We're seeing so many different types of DAOs, depending on whatever your use case is, is your vision. There's a lot of different ways that you could design your DAO. There's a ton of different tools that you can use to help build your DAO. So we have like a lot of different pieces of our DAO stack. Everything from like the Discord, where a lot of informal chat happens. You guys are welcome to jump into our Discord, discord.gg slash shapeshift. we got an awesome community that's like a mixture of both our users and contributors and just token holders and then partners, other DAOs that we work with, which is really cool. Like at Shapeshift before, Centralized Shapeshift, we were in Slack and we had a Discord, but there was a huge silo between like our team members and our users, our community. Now those borders are just completely broken down. Anyone can jump in the Discord. We've got community meetings like on a daily basis that you're welcome to attend. And then we have a forum. And that's where like these ideas really kind of turn into actual drafted proposals that follow the template. They get feedback. We have a whole process for like putting the draft proposal in the Workstreams channel. And we can talk about Workstreams later. And then it goes to a ideation stage where people can still give feedback. And if it's got enough support, then it can move towards the final official governance proposal stage. So you can see all these happening. You can see like the about 100 proposals that we've created over the past year. You can see proposals that have been rejected. You can see all the conversation from the community like to get to that point. And you can weigh in. Anyone is welcome to participate. Anyone with access to an Ethereum wallet can get Fox tokens and participate in this. And yeah, I think that's a high level of kind of like what DAOs are. I think something that's really interesting is like these governance tokens, basically. It's like a new way to basically organize communities and give ownership that anybody can access compared to like private companies where you have shareholders and stuff. And even if you're a shareholder, you don't necessarily actually have a say in like the day-to-day operations. You can't necessarily propose an idea and get rewarded for it. These governance tokens are so cool because they enable you to distribute your token to really anyone. You decide how you want to distribute these governance tokens, which is important for a DAO. Who are these owners going to be? Ideally, like if you have a product and stuff, you can actually give your users these governance tokens and ideally have a cycle where the users that are earning these governance tokens are adding value to the DAO. If you can figure out that cycle, it's just really magical. And basically, like I mentioned this with Giveth before, you can have community members all around the world or just individuals all around the world who align with your vision and now can just get involved and start adding value and then become owners in it. And that's magical. That's high level of DAOs and excited to dive a little deeper too. That was a really good explanation. And I think we're the next place where a lot of people's heads go around DAOs or they hear that and it says, that sounds amazing. That sounds like a really cool thing. How could I 
go and implement a DAO. So I don't know if you give any like particular example of like a very simple, I don't know, like a, a community club, people trying to go do kickball and do a fundraiser and like they're putting the money together. Any kind of example that you want, but like someone hears this and they're like, that sounds really cool. If I want to go and implement this at a super easy level, like what would that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. So let's talk about like what a DAO MVP is, a minimum viable product, or I like to use the term minimum lovable product. And surprisingly, like it might sound complex, but you can launch a DAO today if you wanted to. And I think we're seeing this a lot, like at hackathons, we're seeing DAOs get created over the course of a weekend, whereas you would never see like an LLC get created. So like DAOs might sound a little complicated, but like starting an LLC, starting a C corporation, that's complicated. You probably need to like hire a lawyer and stuff like that. You got to do these registrations and everything with a DAO. Anyone with an Ethereum wallet and some Ethereum to pay for gas can like deploy one of these smart contracts. So there's a lot of different tools. I think an MVP and MLP for a DAO need to at least have like a something to hold these funds. You need this treasury. Gnosis safes are really popular, but you can also use like Aragon or OneHive Gardens or Moloch DAO, DAO House. There's a lot of different frameworks that basically provide this treasury for you. And some of them also have some of the other pieces you need. So you need a treasury. You need ability for token holders to vote. And I guess let's back up. You need a token. But again, anyone can go deploy a token today. You can use like an ERC-20 token. You could use NFTs for voting. You could do both. You could have like ERC-20s and NFTs and configure your voting power for each of those. You need a governance process. And what sometimes we see is like tokens projects will do like an airdrop. And then as you're claiming your airdrop, the first thing you need to do is like vote on approving this governance process. That's a fine way to do it. I think it's also fine if you just basically launch with the governance process and say, here's, this is what Shapeshift did. He said, all right, surprise everyone. Here's a DAO. It's all set up. We got DAO stack ready to go. We did this airdrop and then boom, as you come claim the airdrop, come join our Discord, come make proposals and stuff. And that was an MLP, right? Like you need to at least have some of these core pieces. You need the treasury, you need the voting tool, you need the token that gives voting power. And those are kind of the core pieces. Obviously you should tell people like, what's the vision for your DAO? What's the mission? Why should they get involved? But as long as you have those pieces, then, and you know, you have a Discord, you should have a forum, like these are things that are good to have in place, but not necessarily required because as long as you have those other pieces, the community can then coordinate and start developing that. And if the community wants to change the governance process, they can. Those are kind of the core pieces that you at least need at minimum. And then, um, yeah, beyond that, you, you don't necessarily need to build everything up front because once you launch it, now you have a community that can help you build the rest. Hey everyone, just wanted to let you know about all of the amazing content that we're making for you exclusively over on YouTube. You can stay connected to crypto's top stories and trending topics with the Aftershock. Every Wednesday, join Cryptocurrent Steve Miller and myself for a brand new discussion on what's going on in the wild world of Web3. If you want to learn more about cryptocurrency and blockchain but don't know where to start, Crypto Decrypted will cover everything from basics and fundamental analysis to the advanced concepts of technical analysis. Join Chris K every Thursday exclusively on YouTube. YouTube to get this content. Finally, if you want to take a deeper dive into the world of NFTs and learn more about all the latest and greatest and what's happening in that space while capturing alpha, join Steven on NFT Thursdays exclusively on Twitter Spaces on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. We hope you're enjoying our content. And if you're enjoying it, please like, subscribe, share, and leave comments so that we can continue to give you the content to keep you cryptocurrent. Again, thank you for setting that foundation. I think for everyone who's like very curious and looking at first steps, you just got the blueprint. You heard it from the man himself. So rewind that a couple of times, start to go implement those things and you got some base foundation. So now stepping back into the macro, it's been almost a year utilizing DAO for Shapeshift. So bring us back to current day. You were super excited when you heard y'all were moving to this model. Some people weren't necessarily as excited. How has that kind of panned out? 
the day that we announced to the company and that we were going full down, I had heard like a week before I got the heads up and it was pretty interesting to see it firsthand. Basically, we have these all Fox meetings and Eric just told the whole company, hey, this is where we're going from here. And we think this is the best way to achieve our vision. So I gave a presentation right afterwards to try and paint a picture of like what the DAO might look like. Because to your point, like there are a lot of people at the company who had either never heard of DAOs or if they had heard of it, they really had no idea what DAOing it would actually look like. So I tried to paint a picture explaining what it could look like and painting that picture. And really like a big part of my goal as Shapeshift started to wind down its central operations were, was to get as many of the employees to give Dowing it a try as possible. Because I knew like, if you like working for Shapeshift, I think you're going to love working for the Dow. It's so magical. And sure enough, a lot of the people that did transition are loving it. They're sticking around. We even had a couple of people who like left. They're like, oh, I'm going to go get you know another job at either another crypto company or a Web2 company. And then they came back to the Dow. I think something that really helped us was that we didn't just like change to a DAO overnight. We basically had a six-month period where we launched the DAO, the DAO was operating. And then over six months, we had three waves where we let all the employees go. And that gave us some time to set the DAO up so that by the time some of these departments were basically shut down or wound down at Shapeshift, the work streams and the DAO had already been formed. So there's already a proposal for like, as marketing is going away at Shapeshift, now here's a new marketing work stream. And any contributors that were part of the Shapeshift marketing team that we'd already recruited and hired and trained and all of that, that wanted to continue contributing, were able to. The next day after their job ended at Shapeshift, they could log onto the Discord and continue contributing to the DAO. That was really helpful. I won't say there haven't been challenges. Like for example, right now it's a bear market. And so there's a lot of conversations going on in the DAO around like budget optimizations and everything. And I think during the bull market, the community had a big appetite for approving almost every proposal that like could have added value. And now it's bear market and we're like, okay, we need to make sure we can survive this thing. We need to optimize our costs, trim some of that fat. And it's really interesting to see these conversations happening in a public forum. They're hard conversations, but I've been at least really encouraged by the fact that there's a lot of people in the community who are acting like owners, basically. And they're not just here to collect a paycheck. Like They believe in the vision and they want to make Shapeshift successful. And that is so cool to see. I think there's much more of a spirit of ownership at the DAO than there was at Centralized Shapeshift, even though all the employees had equity. So... I think it's going really well. I'm not going to say there haven't been challenges, but like I will say right now, Shapeshift is a DAO where spending less every month, our overhead is far lower than it was as a centralized organization. We're earning more revenues, especially like we were profitable for a bit during the bull market as a DAO. And then bear market came and we're not profitable anymore, but we're working to get back there. And we're shipping faster. Everything's open source. We're moving a lot faster. So like to me, objectively, I hear a lot of people say, oh, DAOs are inefficient and stuff. I'm like, what are you talking about? We were a centralized organization for seven years and now we're a DAO and we are more efficient now, objectively. Sure, there's inefficient DAOs and there's efficient DAOs just like there's inefficient orgs and inefficient orgs. But to me, I don't see any fundamental reason why DAOs can't be as efficient or more efficient than centralized organizations. I think you brought up a key point there, though. You had a six-month time period to be able to move over away from these centralized way that you had things set up moving more into this decentralized and you would have these off board and on ramps that were in place. Whereas I think a lot of people are so excited about DAOs and they don't necessarily do all their due diligence or understand like, how do you put good systems in place and then have that made applied to DAO? I think by having your experiences through your own companies and of course, with other experiences that the rest of the team has had, being able to spend the time to make sure that it's done properly and not rushed and being patient, like almost going back to the initial lesson of, you know, sometimes it's just good to hold on just a little bit and to give it time and not rush into getting in and out of something very quickly. And I think this is a good example of making sure that the time was there to put the right systems in place. 
even the piece that you said about the governance, the ownership piece of it, that people feel like they really are owning this, even with they had equity before, but now with being in this style, truly having that ownership in the government's token to be able to speak and put proposals in, et cetera, it does give you this new sense of my voice matters. And like, even though I only have this one token or a couple of tokens, like it has weight. And I think where a lot of people sometimes get confused is like, they don't understand the weight of being able to be part of that governance. So another direction I kind of want to bring the conversation was, why do you think DAOs or how do you think DAOs could be the future of where companies start heading towards instead of like traditional LLCs or LPs, et cetera? I very much believe that DAOs are the future. Part of why I believe that is that there's only a couple of things that DAOs can't do that centralized organizations can do. So like you can't have a bank account, you can't sign contracts because you don't have a legal entity. And that's basically it, right? Like, and it's a, it's a short list of boring things that DAOs can't do, but there's infinite things that DAOs can do that centralized organizations can't do. I also think that in this day and age, there's a lot of regulation and bureaucracy that makes it very difficult for the average individual to start a business and like understand how to start a business, right? All these documents you got to file and stuff that they say it's to protect consumers and stuff. But at the end of the day, it also, whether or not it does that, it also curbs innovation quite a bit. So for a DAO, like what I love about it is that we don't have to worry about any of that, right? Because there's not any precedent. There's no laws that technically apply to DAOs. It's not clear which jurisdictions laws would even apply to us because we don't have a legal entity registered in any jurisdiction. It's just a smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain. And there's not any officers or anything. It's the community of token holders that control the smart contract. And they can DAO whatever the fuck they want, right? And no one can stop them. And that is so powerful and so cool. And if you contrast that to when we were a centralized organization at Shapeshift, there were so many things that held us back that weren't relevant, in my opinion, to like our core business and our vision. One example of that Eric shared recently in this blog post he wrote, kind of recapping the difference between Shapeshift as a centralized org and a DAO. Highly recommend checking out that blog post if you're interested. Was just the ability to hire people in France, for instance. We had all these weird employment laws and stuff. We had a whole HR department. We had a legal team, compliance team, all this overhead. And... We couldn't hire anyone from France. The company said, you know what? French employment laws are too rough. It's like I've heard it's hard to fire people in France is my understanding. So because of that, we're just not going to hire anyone from France. And so a whole country of people that we couldn't hire just because of these weird regulations and rules, right? But you know, what if a French contributor wants to work for the Dow and they don't care if they can get fired and stuff like that? They still want to opt into working for the Dow. They can do that now. And we have an amazing French engineer who's joined the Dow, who was a fan of Shapeshift before, but we couldn't have hired him even if we wanted to. That's just one example, but there's a long list of things every day that hold us back and constrain us. Like a lot of the cool stuff we wanted to do, we're seeing, you know, Coinbase struggling to launch like an interest product for USDC. We had a lot of similar struggles at Shapeshift. A lot of the fun, cool things we wanted to do, a lot of this innovative DeFi protocols we wanted to integrate. We weren't able to, at least not in like the fashion we wanted to. But now as a DAO, again, whatever the community wants to do, we can DAO it. And that is incredibly powerful and just one of the benefits of DAOing it. Yeah, I think that's great. And you brought up a ton of really interesting points just with the flexibility that you're able to now work within, right? So you're not confined and put into a box of like, here's the world that you have to comply and do things. Now you can say, hey, this is what we're going to go do. And now you have a path for people who want to participate and be a part of Shapeshift and an innovative way to do it. And in a way that the community deems as fair and as a way for them to be able to come in and do that, which I think is really cool, giving the power back to the people and to the individual. But I know that you have a lot of really cool and interesting things that have been happening over at Shapeshift. Do you kind of want to share some of the things that y'all have been working on? 
Yeah, I would love to. And I will just say real quick, the community is so powerful. And that's probably the other magical piece of being a DAO is the fact that you can just forward these governance tokens to however you want, to contributors, to community members, to users. And they're now owners and they can make proposals. They can get rewarded with more of these governance tokens. Like it's really hard to imagine doing that with shares as a Web2 company. Maybe you could figure it out, but there'd be so much legal red tape around it. But again, like these Legos are just there for anyone to assemble and to do this really cool, powerful stuff that I think is disruptive. So yeah, so at Shapeshift right now, the community is aligned on the vision of building the ultimate interface for the decentralized universe. You can check it out right now at app.shapeshift.com. It is non-custodial. That's kind of like always been our core value at Shapeshift and multi-chain. There's Shapeshift wallets. So you can create a new Shapeshift wallet. You can connect to KeepKey, which is a hardware wallet that centralized Shapeshift used to own. Now the DAO has a partnership with the new KeepKey entity. Or you can connect other top wallets like MetaMask, XDeFi, Kepler, TallyCash, Wallet Connect coming soon. And basically, we are just an interface between users' keys and decentralized protocols. So you can buy, sell, send, receive, trade, earn yield on your crypto across multiple different blockchains. There's never any fees added. The only fees you'll ever pay are on the, the protocol level. The DAO actually has relationships with a lot of these protocols and services where they will pay the DAO treasury a percentage of the fees that we generate for them. And then the vision is to actually then take those fees or the community can decide to do this, right? Take the fees that the DAO is earning as revenues, buy Fox and reward Fox token holders who have staked Fox for Foxy. So that's live right now. You can stake Fox and get yield that comes from revenues. It's not just like inflationary yield. And as we add new revenue streams, those also benefit Fox stakers, Foxy holders. So for example, if you go buy a KeepKey right now, 50% of the revenues go to the Dow Treasury. 10% of the revenues from that sale go towards buying Fox and rewarding Foxy holders. So right now, I guess what we're really focused on is aggregating protocols. Like we're building the best UI UX we can for really popular categories of use cases that crypto users care about. So things like buying and selling, sending, receiving, trading, earning yield, and then aggregating all the protocols that share that same UI UX. So it's going well. We're about a year into this. One of the next big milestones, something that we've been working towards is rebuilding the legacy Shapeshift apps, beta.shapeshift.com and our mobile app in a new open source app that's got the same features, but is architected for decentralization. So previously at Shapeshift, we ran all these different nodes. We had servers and a database of all of our users. It was very centralized. I mean, we were basically like getting data from these blockchains, storing it, and then presenting it to users. Now we're cutting ourselves out of the equation. So it's really, again, just an interface between users and decentralized protocols. We don't have a database. All the data is coming directly from the blockchain or from other third-party services. So it's architected to be completely decentralized. That front end right now is hosted on IPFS. So anyone anywhere in the world can access it. It's got IPFS hosting as well as ENS for a name service for domain routing. And we're working on decentralizing the back end. So that was a proposal from Michael Perklin, former Chief Information Security Officer at Shapeshift to create this new blockchain called FoxChain, which will basically incentivize different node operators to run nodes to get blockchain data and then serve that blockchain data to clients. Shapeshift will be one of those clients, but any app that actually wants to be decentralized and not just rely on Infura, a centralized blockchain data provider, or run their own nodes, can basically tap into FoxChain to get this data. And that's under development. Coinbase Cloud actually made a proposal to the DAO to help support us in developing this, which is really cool. So they've been great. And yeah, that's basically the vision. Like we want to build the ultimate decentralized interface. We believe that interface should be multi-chain, non-custodial, multi-wallet, open source, free, community-owned, and decentralized. And those are our principles that are guiding us. Which are amazing principles. And I, I see the work happening. It's been really cool just to see how much y'all develop in the last year since implementing the DAO and all the new features that y'all are rolling out. A lot of people who I know who use Shapeshift are avid users and have nothing but incredible things to say. And I think it's a testament to the type of community that y'all are establishing over there. So 
Willie, I really appreciate you sharing all that information. Thanks for explaining DAOs for us today. As we kind of wrap up here, I always like to finish with a couple of fun questions. And the first one here, which I think is still pretty relevant, a lot of people who have entered the market in the last year or so have never experienced a bear market. And for yourself, you've been able to collect roughly five years worth of experience. If you can impart one to two pieces of wisdom to yourself when you first went through your first bear cycle, what would you tell yourself? Oh, man. Well, I'm a permable. So one mistake I made in the first bear market is that like I didn't sell anything, basically. And I went all in when I thought it was the bottom and it wasn't the bottom yet. So I guess don't blow your whole load all in one sitting, basically. That's like dollar cost averaging is something that I think tends to work much better than just YOLOing. So dollar cost averaging is a great lesson learned. I'm really bad at timing it. So even though I'm super plugged into the space, I'm not a great trader, I've learned. And like it's really hard to time those bottoms and, and time those tops. But what I learned after the 2017 bull market was to focus on building, basically. It's like, those are the skills I have. Those are the skills that a lot of you guys probably have. And that's like a guaranteed way to create value and stack crypto during bear market. And you just focus on that. Like try, I don't know, this is not financial advice, but I am trying not to sell, just trying to accumulate more crypto because I already blew it and, and didn't time the top. So now it's like, all right, we're in this for the rest of the bear. But yeah, I'll be happy if we can survive this bear, come out to the bull market and have larger stacks of crypto. I'll consider that a win. And fortunately, I won't have spent a bunch of time staring at charts and stuff and trading, staying up late at night. I will have been focusing on my time on building, which is also a great way to learn. For sure. I think those are two really great lessons. DCA is your best friend. And again, for a lot of people, as much as we like to think that we're traders, a lot of people aren't investors and being able to focus and build right now, building right now is just super crucial and can yield even bigger yields in the future. But Willie, what is a final thought that you want to leave with everyone here today? Yeah, well, if you're interested in DAOs, I really encourage you to just jump in and try it. Find a DAO that aligns with your interests because there's so many different types of DAOs. If you're into DeFi, Shapeshift is a pretty cool DAO to get involved in because we touch so many different pieces of crypto and we've just got an awesome community who's super experienced and meetings every day. Like, If you're into that stuff, come check out Shapeshift DAO. If you're into building the future of giving, philanthropy, then check out Giveth. Giveth is another project I'm a part of that I'm a huge fan of. Or if you just want to donate some crypto, go to giveth.io. There's over 1,500 awesome projects you can donate to. Both great communities. But if you're interested in other stuff, I don't know, there's like a Blunt DAO I heard recently. There's a Beer DAO. There's all sorts of DAOs and there's new DAOs getting created. If you don't find a DAO that aligns with your, your passion, maybe you can start that. But yeah, I really encourage people to jump in and check it out. It really is magical. And don't be afraid to just add value. Like if you wait for someone in the DAO to like ask you to get involved, you might never get asked, right? A lot of these DAOs have plenty of opportunity to contribute. It's easy to find something that you could do that would add value. And just DAO it. I really encourage you. And you know, if you want to make sure you get paid for it, then reach out to the community and say, here's what I want to do. Maybe you can make a proposal. Maybe there's a work stream that you can reach out to pitch your idea to and basically get a guarantee that if you do what you are asking, then they'll pay you. But also, you know, if you, if you have the bandwidth, don't be afraid to just DAO it. I always say like, if you're adding value to a DAO and the DAO is not rewarding you, the DAO is doing something wrong. But yeah, you can just get involved and it's permissionless, right? There's, you don't need anyone's permission to add value. And then one thing I want to mention too, because we talked about this earlier and I talked about how easy it is to start a DAO and what an MLP looks like. I also want to kind of like give the other side of that, that you don't have to launch a DAO to start building a community. So you can just start building your community and work with that community to still design the DAO. And then you might not have a treasury on day one anyways, right? Initially, when you have your treasury, it might just be a bunch of tokens. And there's pros and cons. Like once you launch a DAO, you have a token that you can then use to reward contributors. But if you launch 
too soon and people don't understand what your token's for, or what your DAO is about, and you drop a bunch of these tokens, like that can also backfire. So I think it is important to make sure that you're seeking that MLP and what you're launching isn't just viable, but it is lovable. And don't be afraid to start building the community before you actually launch the DAO. Just wanted to kind of give both sides of that. Absolutely. And for a reminder, MLP is minimal lovable product. And again, Willie has dropped a ton of great gems for this. So make sure you go back, listen to a lot of those great talking points. I appreciate you spending some time with us. For people who want to connect with you personally or learn more about what's going on with Shapeshift, how can they do that? I'm Willie Ogo with the Y on Twitter. Shapeshift is just at Shapeshift on Twitter. That was a win for the DAO. The, the DAO was able to finally acquire the at Shapeshift handle. And yeah, I really encourage you guys to come hop in our Discord. I'm at Willie Fox in Discord and pretty active. So hope to see you guys in there. See you guys in the metaverse. Perfect. Well, again, Willie, thank you so much for spending time. And for everyone listening, stay CryptoCurrent. Hey, CryptoCurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. For today's review, we're highlighting two separate listeners. First up, we have Robbie RN, who said, great information and I'm already learning a lot. Second, we got Sakels, who said, this podcast honestly helped to make crypto so much easier. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date on the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. We would like to give a special shout out to our Moon sponsor, Acacia Digital. Acacia invests in partners with early stage blockchain companies who are solving complex problems in large markets. Acacia partners with projects that have established technology and communities. Acacia supports public projects exhibiting strong momentum and capacity to grow into large markets. Acacia also directly participates in limited releases such as NFTs tied to unique experiences, access, or products. For more information, go to acaciadigital.io. Again, that's acaciadigital.io. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to deritterproductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay Cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. 
Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.